Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to... Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. If it's a Monday, you know what we're talking about on this show. Another ATP Challenger-centric episode from Crack Rackets contributors Damian Kust and Jakob Barbaro. On today's episode, they discuss a week filled with maiden title winners on the Challenger Tour. They discuss the long-awaited return of the Rio Olympic tennis venue. They also get into the Darts World Championship and so much more. This is a fun and fantastic episode that I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy. Of course, it's been busy time for us here at Cracked Rackets as we try to cover every aspect of the 2021 offseason. We're not just talking ATP and WTA level. We're talking challengers. We're talking ITS. We're talking college. We're talking juniors. We're trying to cover this offseason from every angle as we maintain our goal to ensure you remain the most well-informed, best educated fans in the business. Of course, if you have missed any of our podcasts, you can catch up on them all on our website, crackrackets.com. Last week, we got a double dose of Ben Rothenberg, who joined me to talk about the latest updates in the Peng Shui story. He also joined me to make some predictions about the 2022 season for American tennis. We also recapped American tennis in 2021 with Nina Pantic and David Gertler. We named our top 10 seasons of the year. Those were both fantastic episodes that you can find on the Mini Break and Great Shot podcast feeds. We talked to Stefan Kozlov last week. He, of course, clinched that 2022 Australian Open wild card challenge. Going to make his main draw debut at a Grand Slam in Australia. If you want to hear his thoughts on that debut, his thoughts on what allowed him to have so much success down the home stretch of 2021, you can hear that episode again on the Mini Break podcast feed. And of course, last but certainly not least, if you want to hear from any of the Power 5 tennis coaches in college tennis, you can do so on our Cracked Interviews podcast feed. I believe We've released 15 episodes to date. Of course, many more still in the queue to come as, again, we're staying busy here this offseason trying to provide all of you listeners with the content we know you deserve. Of course, a huge shout-out to all of you listeners, a huge shout-out to our Patreon family for your continued support. It's what allows us to provide this sort of content, go into the depths, not just of the ATP and WTA Tour, but again, the depth of all levels of tennis. A huge shout-out to all of you for continuing to listen, continuing to subscribe, continuing to share these episodes with your friends. But enough plugs. You didn't come here to hear that. You came here to hear the latest update on the ATP Challenger Tour. So with that in mind, Westoff, roll those credits. Let's get to Damian Jacobs. Discuss another fantastic episode chatting all things ATP Challenger Tennis. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, hello and welcome to the next episode of the Challengers podcast. I am here once, once again joined by my friend Jakub, who has now officially won the predictions competition. Yeah, I'm not proud about it. I'm not happy about it. But I mean, this week, it was impossible to get a point. Yeah, yeah. I don't think any of us could have guessed any of this. Uh, I was really hoping that I could be shooting for 20. If, if Dalian won, we would have both gotten a point. And then I could have gone for, for 20 in a season um in the final week but it looks like we have nothing to play for pretty much in these last two tournaments but yeah very surprising winners lots of first time winners um one very unexpected second time winner so yeah three three maiden winners and one yeah one which was absolutely impossible to predict as well okay where do you want to start then which unexpected uh, winner are we gonna take care of first i would say probably the the, the most unexpected in florianopolis Okay. Uh, Igor Marcondes, the qualifier, beat Hugo Delian, the second seed, 6-2-6-4 in the final for his first challenger title. It was his first, it was the first time that he's made it past the second round, um, which he only made in, in Sao Paulo earlier. The last week, yeah. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> before that, I don't think that he made it past the first round even. So very unexpected for sure. Uh, he, he's a youngish Brazilian. He's what, I think 23 or 24? 24, 24, yeah. 24, yeah. So huge breakthrough for him because he's up 193 spots to number 331 in the rankings, which enables him to play a lot more challengers in the future. That's for sure. Um, on his run in qualifying, he beat uh, Ribeiro and then Bobrov. And in the, ma- uh, in the main draw, he beat Coyarini, Luz, got a retirement from Cuevas uh, in the second set there, beat Londero and then Delien. What have you made of Marcondes this week? Yeah, we, we talked about how the... You know, these few events that we're going to get in Brazil are going to help these players. But I don't think we really had Marcondes in, in mind. No. Uh, I can't remember if he if he made it past the second round before Sao Paulo, but I, it was certainly his fourth challenger main draw, uh, which is obviously just insane. And if, beside, you know, in the Cuevas match, he was... Before Cuevas got injured, he was he was down. He probably wouldn't have won this. But other than mm-hmm. that, he was really fabulous this week. I mean, in the in the final, he also had some some physical issues in the final. He he took a medical timeout in the in the second set. I maybe that's why he was so aggressive in it. But I mean, he was just blasting winners left and right. The forehand looked like Fernando Verdasco at times. And I'm not even joking. I mean, there was there there are some very similar footwork patterns, which I guess most left-handed forehands would have when when they like really unleash on the ball. But Marcondes was just insane in this final. Uh, I don't know, you know, have no idea what it means for his 2022, but as you said, I mean, three, 330, like something like that. Yeah, 331. Yeah. yeah, 31. That's, that's going to allow him to play a lot of challengers next year 
if if not majors then qualifying for sure so you know just let, let's see where he takes it i mean the, the the south american clay can can definitely be his friend again we both picked dalian uh you know he was definitely like the outside of cuevas obviously the the marquee player in the field and by yeah. the final, he was still a huge favorite to win it. So I, I don't think it was a wrong pick per se. Still a very successful South American circuit for him. Uh, yeah, it was his 10th challenger final for, for Hugo Delien. He beat Federico Ceballos, uh, then Edman Casanova, Facundo Juarez, and Genaro Alberto Olivieri en route to that final. Um, yeah, he was certainly the favorite, I think, going into the final. I was, I was quite surprised because uh, I, I personally felt like, you know, um, Marcondes, obviously, Coelarini lose there. They're not easy wins, uh, but he did that. He did get that retirement from Cuevas, which helped him a lot because he, he seemed likely to lose that match. And then, you know, the, the Londra episode was impressive, um, but it still felt like Delian would, would win that final, uh, to be honest with you. Definitely, yeah. Um, we should probably mention uh, Olivieri, his second semifinal of the year, uh, beat Carvalho, Puccinelli, and Barrientos to get there. So he's progressing nicely. Uh, also, uh, Barrientos himself made quarterfinals as a qualifier uh, with with a very straightforward win over Fikovic, which was quite surprising. I yeah, think. I mean, I completely missed that, honestly. And I, I'm just now <laughs> seeing this result and I'm like, what? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, get ready for it. Because uh, he, so he beats Fikovic, he beats Villanueva, loses to Olivieri. He also beat um, Gomez in qualifying, and he won the doubles with Gomez in back-to-back uh, weeks now. So he's he's on a real roll, Nicolas Parientos. Uh, watch out for him. Well, I mean, he's, there's one more week left in the season, so I don't know how much further he can take it. Uh, then we also had Daniel Dutra da Silva, who I actually haven't watched before this week. I only knew about his brother, obviously, Rogerio Dutra da Silva, who is more famous, more successful, uh, made it to the top 70, I believe, at one point, and he beat uh, Dutra da Silva here later and Kikere to reach the quarter. So a couple of sort of veteran, unexpected quarterfinalists here. Uh, did any of these or anybody else catch your eye in the draw? Yeah, I'm similarly to Dutra da Silva, there's also Facundo Juarez. They, I remember they, they played a 25K final like a month ago. And they, they've clearly been on the rise through through the ITFs they had in South America. Honestly, most of these ITFs, like, they weren't streamed. I don't think any of them were. were. But looking at the draws, it was some funny things. Like, for example, there was one, I believe that was actually a 15K, but in Brazil where they had 45 out of 48 players being Brazilian or something like that. Like, in South America, ITFs, it's pretty much only South Americans. And so, you know, these fields are always sort of, you know, are Juarez and Dutra da Silva actually that good that they're dominating there? But it turns out that they are. Uh, and <laughs> I'm definitely looking forward to watching both next year. I, I'm pulling up the the calendar for 2022 because we have that for January. And there's an event in South America four weeks in a row. So that's going to be another uh-huh. chance for these players. Actually, the, the first two weeks are Challenger 50s, Buenos Aires and Florianopolis again. But then Concepcion and Santa Cruz in, in, in Bolivia. So there's going to be a lot of chances for these players who are in such good form right now to, to keep it going. Yeah, I mean, as we mentioned before, there's famously like two weeks yeah. <laughs> in between the, the, the Challenger Tour seasons. Uh, so, so there's no reason why they, why they shouldn't continue that momentum. Uh, although I, I do expect that we'll probably start getting 
uh, tougher draws after those two Challenger 50s. It's, it's, I think, probably going to get more difficult for them. Um, yeah, anything most sort of, of the players will be in Australia then, so maybe actually not. Uh, maybe we're gonna see. Uh, wait, hold on. Like most the, of the players, oh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, from right. one hundred yeah. to the end and uh, you know and higher. So I guess mm -hmm. that that's you know. Yeah, I mean, so but but we will get the guys that have dropped out of qualifying. I think yes, yeah, possibly coming in. Some yeah. of them possibly yes, yes. Yeah, but we'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see. It'll be certainly interesting to to see how it's going to work with the with the season there. We already know that Pierre Ugerber has committed mm -hmm. to playing the European Challengers because he's <laughs> unvaccinated and therefore cannot enter the Australian. Yeah, he's Open. like the, uh, the first player, right? Who, who yeah, the, the the first player to drop out, which openly is, stated that you know that, that that he's not going to go to Australia because he doesn't want to vaccinate him. Yeah, definitely surprising, unexpected. I didn't see it coming at all. Uh, but we were going to see him in, in Forley, so we're going to talk about him there. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see uh, how how quickly those guys want to get out of Australia and, and get onto the challengers uh, from, from the qualifying. So we'll, we'll see about that. Um, yeah, should we go to Forley? Uh, yeah, sure. Yes, where we had uh, also a maiden winner. Pavel Kotov uh, beat eighth seed Andrea Arnaboldi 6-4-6-3. He goes up 48 spots to number 223, his new career high ranking. He beat Zizou Bergs, my pick for the win, uh, in the first round, 7-5 in the third. Uh, which, you know, looking back on it, now that Kotov won the title, it looks well, it doesn't look as, as, as bad of a pick, uh, especially considering that he was recovering from uh, side effects of the vaccine and stuff. I mean, Keegan Smith. Uh, who qualified to reach the second round there. Uh, he's the guy who played uh, college doubles with Vaxin Cressy. So I was wondering if they would play together here, but they didn't. Um, then beat uh, Basic in the quarterfinals, Sachko in the semis, Arnabod in final. What did you, make, what did you think of uh, Kotov this week? Yeah, first of all, thank you to, to Betty for sending us these that info on, on Zizou's uh, COVID booster and all. Uh, yeah, uh, if I asked you before this week, how many uh, challenger titles does Andrea Arnaboldi have? What would you What would your answer be? Um, I still haven't actually checked, so I don't know the answer right now. Okay, um, I don't know. He he's like career high, like like in the in the top fifty three, I believe. Yeah, One, yeah so I would say like at least four or five, right? It's very good that you don't know because it's actually zero. And oh. I was completely shocked to learn this. Uh, he's 33 years old. Yeah, as you said, oh. I, I also knew that his career high is like 150 or something. And it turns out that before this week, he played 17 challengers in the finals and won just one. And that's that's pretty much the reason why. Uh, he actually played just one final three years ago in Portoros, lost to Constant Lestien, and this win over Nardi was the second one he got. Uh, I wow. was sort of rooting for him to to get it honestly because yeah. he just really feels like a player who deserves that kind of title in his resume. But I mean, I don't know if he's gonna get it. Thirty three years old. Uh, he's you know the December seemed to be the perfect time because of the somewhat depleted uh, fields, and I mean, uh, Kotov defeated him in straights like a month ago in Po. I think even less than a month ago. So, so mm. you know, the result was, I guess, some sort of to be expected. 
uh, he just really wasn't able to do any impact with that, you know, that variety net play of his. Kotov just kept him behind really well. Although there was also a bit of an injury scare, a pretty peculiar situation that we actually have two two winners who took MTOs during their matches and still won in straights, <laughs> Kotov and Markondas, but. But that was the case. Kotov actually lost the next two games. Yet he took it as an emergency, like in the middle of the game. So it seemed serious. Oh, wow. It was really hard from the you know to tell from the stream what, what it was. But he lost the next two games, but then recovered. But still, mm. you know, obviously, as we mentioned, a maiden, a maiden title for Kotov. Uh, definitely didn't see that coming. Although he's, you know, he's he's ten years ten years younger than Arnaboldi, but also one of these players who, you know, in my in my head, some are are somewhat like uh, you know. They should have a challenger title, and I'm and I'm glad Paul could have got there. Uh, who was my pick? Uh, Maxim Cressy, right? Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, was there was some yeah. signs of fatigue uh, in in that loss. He he lost, you know, he lost both tiebreakers to Vitali Sachko. Uh, can't really blame him for that. He also withdrew from Rio de Janeiro, which means that this year is. It's not going to be 2021 when uh, Maxim Cressy makes the top 100, but I mean, it's going to be next year. Let's yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it's it's smart for him to pull out. He, I think he's like four spots out of the yep. main draw right now. Yeah, he's fourth. Uh, yeah. When I was looking at it, so he's he's most likely going to get in. Uh, well, one would think uh, into the main draw. Yeah, I don't have all the. I, I was actually to hear second right now because Herbert is already pulled out and. Oh, yeah. Someone who was in front of him also must have pulled out because it's mm-hmm. the same three players who are in because of the withdrawals. So who was in front of him besides their bear? It has to be like 110th or something like that. Uh, uh, maybe maybe it's Badene. That would make sense because he's he's not healthy, right? Yeah, I think it's Alias Badene who also pu- pulled out. Mm. So so he's currently just behind Taberner on the alternate list. So with the possible withdrawals because of the vaccination, also just because no, no not everyone will want to go to Australia, uh, I guess he has to make it. Yeah, I mean, he's he's very likely to make it. I'm, I'm glad that he's not flying to Rio uh, <laughs> to play that one tournament. Um, because I, I, I feel like he'd lost, like he'd lose, like first or second round, I think. Uh, and I feel like just that'd be because silly. of the jet lag, or yeah, I mean, jet lag, and, and it's on clay as well, right? No, um, no. Oh, it's not on clay. Okay. Yeah, and it's hard course. Actually, it's the very same venue that uh, the Rio Olympics was held in. It's the, oh. the first, yes, it's the first professional event that, that's, you know, since five years in, there. Uh, well, it's, it's nice that it's getting some use. Yes, uh, and it's actually a, a waste, right? That, that <laughs> I didn't Yeah, I mean, really it, it often happens that. that Olympic venues that they just go to waste um, in, in these cities. Mm-hmm. Although, I, if I remember correctly, obviously, I don't know if it would be the same, but the real Olympics were, like, in, quite slow, I think. Yes, uh, yes, yes, I think so. Too. Who, who uh Mare, Mare del Potro final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think they were. Yeah. They were, yeah. Um yeah, what was I going to say? Arnabaldi, yeah. I mean, he's he's 33. This was his best result of this season by far. He's he's made like I think a couple of quarterfinals. Um, but he's he's not been getting to the late stages consistently at all. So this this probably was the chance for him. We'll see if he gets one again next year. Uh just to go through his run, he got a retirement from Brancaccio in the first round. Uh, then beat Brauer, Pervolarakis, uh, I struggle with his name every time, and Nardi in the semis, I wanted to talk about a bit, because uh, Luca Nardi made the semifinals as a, as a wild card, 
beat Vavasori, which I was quite surprised by, to be honest, in the first round. I felt like Vavasori would, would deal with him. Uh, then Vatucin, uh, Shetkich, and he breaks into the top 400 for the first time, number 356. Rise of 62 spots. Did you see Nabdi this week? Yes, of course. I mean, uh, I mentioned last week that I was going to check how many wildcards he received this year. And he's yeah, 15th challenger this year. And every single entry has been through wildcards. I mean, two were to qualifying, 13 to the main draw. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with giving him this many, but I'm, I mean, it's cool that he finally got it. Uh, somewhat, uh, you know, he probably would have been ranked higher if he actually played ITFs instead of that. Possibly, yeah. Because <laughs> before this week, obviously, here he gets um, 29 points. But before this week, he had 94, and only 37 of them came from challengers. So mm. even though he, he played mostly challengers this year, but, but there were some, some really great moments. I, it was easy this year to forget how talented Lucanardi is. You know, watching all these first round exits in challengers, but some some real moments this this week. We we expected that match against Vavasori to be much tougher. Uh, I believe it was mostly the experience in the semis. He had some real highlights, the half volleys that were absolutely incredible, and then sort of just you know, uh, I don't know if choked, but but I I don't think he was in the right. Uh, space mentally uh, you know, mm. late in the third but but surely it's it's a it's a great week for him he's still 18 which is also easy to easy to forget because everyone's been talking for him uh, about him you know since like a lot <laughs> a lot of time now uh but it's I'm, I'm glad that he finally made it also top of 400 maybe he will finally get some entries through his own <laughs> yeah yeah well, he, he's heading towards that um yeah i mean to be honest it, it is an absolutely insane amount of wild cards to receive in a single year uh but there's just been so many events in italy uh like throughout the entire year so the, the beginning of the year clay season now in the fall uh which i mean it's it's great that the the nation of italy supports the challenger tour like that because most likely if they didn't host these tournaments they simply wouldn't happen Oh uh, uh, yeah, one of the, these wildcards was in San Marino. Uh, by the way, I. Oh right, yeah. But I mean, it's fourteen in Italy, one in San Marino, which is obviously very connected to to Italy yeah. geographically Engel, and politically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I, I, honestly, somebody has to get these wildcards in Italy. I'm I'm happy that it's him as opposed to. I don't know. I feel, like, I feel like Matteo Viola has been getting some wild cards this year that I've seen. <laughs> it was a bit like mm, Nardi, Nardi is a better choice, probably. Yeah. 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 Better to give it to an 18 year old than a kind of a washed up <laughs> older player, I think. Um, yeah. Just before I wanted to mention, uh, Edler and Midler uh, won the doubles for their fourth title this year. Um, which is quite quite crazy. They, they they really made a rise to get their thirtieth win. Um, anything else from Fortley? No, I think we can go to wherever you want to go. I guess to the uh, I guess to Maya, which was the other eighty challenger eighty. Yeah, let's let's go to let's go to Maya, um, where Jeffrey Blancano defeated Chung Sing Tang, three six six three six two, um, for his first challenger title. Um, he raises 48 spots to number 235, his new career high ranking. 
he beat Sanchez Izquierdo, and then three Portuguese players in a row. Well, one of them was a walkover, but he beat Oliveira, got a walkover from Gastão Elias, and beat Nuno Borges uh, before beating Tseng in the final. What did you make of Blancano this week? Another unpredictable winner. Like, literally, you wouldn't ever go for Blancano. He had a pretty poor season, even like... Yeah. I, I totally forgot he was a Ron Garros boys singles champ as well. Mm-hmm. That that was that was something that I was like, wow, really? Even though I uh, I probably watched the final, can't remember. Uh, he, he he was actually zero for five in challenger quarterfinals before this tournament. And funnily enough, even even though he won the title, he still hasn't won a quarterfinal <laughs> because Elias Elias withdrew. Obviously, the big one. You know, the, the, the first two matches were messy, but the big one was the win over Borges, who might have been a bit tired. He was sort of in control early on, but then, then Blancano played some really good tennis. And also the final, a match between uh, two of former Rangaros voice singles champions. Uh, and I mean, as soon as he as soon as he got sort of comfortable, he was definitely the dominant player in that one. I still don't think Chunhin Seng is he's gonna have some sort of a, a breakthrough. Uh, I, I you didn't say who he was formerly coached by, but I mean I mean yeah. Uh, I, I I wasn't that impressed with him this week, even though obviously the the results are great. But you always kind of have to, you know, looking at that player, you always kind of think about how dominant he was in juniors, and then you just you know compare that to. To where he is right now, and and it and it seems to me like he just physically isn't really able to add that, you know, some sort of weaponry to his game because he he just really leaves a lot of initiative to the opponent. Uh, my pick for the title was Calvin Emery, by the way, who who made it who made it to the quarterfinals. Quarterfinals, yeah. Yeah, I, I I thought he I thought he might be winning this at some point, like really. Uh, I thought my pick might be justified, but he he even led for one against Sang in the in the opening set, but then his game just def you know, completely broke yeah, down. Yeah, fell apart. Yeah, well, fell apart was, completely. Was Eleven of twelve next games, I think. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So 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 in the end, it didn't pan out well for me. But but yeah, uh, Blancano is probably the the better player than Sung at the than Sung at the moment. But it's very important for them that they both made. Uh, the Australian Open qualities spot like ninety nine percent sure, but I mean it has yeah. to be right. They're they're at like two hundred thirty something, and yeah. with the withdrawals that we are talking about, I mean we can we can be quite certain that it's gonna be enough. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, saying uh, obviously formerly coached by Dominic Herbati, coached by Dominic Herbati, which I think kind of doesn't reflect great on him that he he's left him, um, and now he. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's more about the, the December feel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it clearly he, he laid some foundation there and stuff, uh, which, which is what the whole like I think their their partnership was about. But yeah, I mean, saying just very very defensive. Um, it's it's hard to it's hard to see unless his game his game changes drastically. Um, how he's going to break through because. Yeah, very, very, very defensive. I mean, who knows who's going to coach him next? Um, who knows who Herbati is going to coach next? It will be interesting to see. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Tseng, for him, the, the second challenger final of his career, he goes up 24 spots to number 232. 
uh, on the way to the final, he beat Oscar Morang, uh, Nicolas David, you know, Calvin Emery, as we mentioned, and my pick of the week, Andre Martin in the semifinals, uh, which, as I said, if I want Martin to, to disappoint me, I have to pick him first, and I did. Um, his run... The semis, the semis, right? Yeah. Yeah, but he didn't really beat anybody. He, he beat Sanchez Cover, Ben Chetri, and Vessels, which none of these guys is like in the 350, I think. So he really should be beating these guys. Um, and then loses loses to saying, which, yeah, I mean, not, not a horrible week. Those points count the same, whether he beats top 100 players at a challenger or guys who are outside of the top 300. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's he's back for, for another week next week, so so we'll see what he <laughs> uh, what he does then. Quickly wanted to mention uh, Borges Cabral won yep. the doubles. Uh, beat Andre Martin actually in the in the doubles final alongside Gonzalo Oliveira. They're um, hold on fifth, I think fifth, fifth title this year, yeah. yeah. And it yeah. actually puts them at you know at the top uh, along with Dumbia Repul, I think, uh, in terms of uh, you know yeah, titles, in, titles in, per in, pair. Yeah. Uh, in terms of titles per one person, I think it's Luz and Nedovyesov, but. But in terms yeah. of titles per pair, it's per, per team. It's actually Borges Cabral and Dumbia Rebul tied at the moment. Uh, I don't know if Dumbia and Rebul are playing next week, but I mean, Borges and Cabral probably are, right? So so they, they will. Yeah, they, no, actually, they, the, the, Dumbia and Rebul are also in Maya uh, oh. and Borges and Cabral as well. So maybe it's going to be mm, actually they're in the same half of the draw. So they can ah, meet in the semis too. <laughs> You also said Adler and Midler had four, right? Four, yeah. But Adler is playing with Vega Hernandez, so yeah. Ah, that's a shame. Yeah, they, they could have gone for it. Yeah, I mean, um, Dumbia and Bull definitely have earned the most points in, in the rankings that I put together yeah. as, as a pair. They, they play together just so much that nobody else really stands a chance, to be honest. Uh, th th there is a very funny thing where uh, Luz, uh, Meli Jenny Alves, and Rafael Matos uh, all played with each other, and they, they play with each other quite a bit as as like you know different variations. And I think they're all within the top fifteen of points earned. Um, all, all all three of those pairings, which is quite interesting, I think. Yeah, and Luz even I mean Luz even played with Nedovyesov a lot, and they both they both yeah. have seven titles, and I think four to four of them are together. Yeah, the, wow. the, the, these top guys have been really just, you know, trying different stuff this year on the Challenger Tour. But it's normal, you know, on, on here the pairings are usually not that fixed. Obviously, you have some, like Borges yeah, uh, Cabral cool. recently or, or Dumbiarebu, which, which is a great example. Uh, yeah, do we go to Antalya then? Let's go to Antalya. We're ninth seed, Yevgeny Tunyev. Uh, beat lucky loser Oleg Prikhotko, uh, 3 6 6 4 6 4 for his second challenger title. He's up 39 spots to number 281, his new career high ranking. Um, en route to that final, he beat Wenger. Uh, Jekan Lazarov got a retirement from Fatic. What did you make of Turniev this week? Just as you couldn't really predict him winning St. Petersburg, even though he won a 15k, like the week before or two weeks before two weeks before uh back then just as in saint petersburg you just couldn't really predict him winning antalya especially as on clay i 
spots so many of his assets are just not as important especially the the big serve and the big forehand that he took St. Petersburg with I still remember that that final with Kasper Zhuk which was like super fast he was just playing everything you know winning every every single rally and he's serving two shots and here he just had to play something completely different and yet somehow was up to the challenge and his drop shot was just insane against Prichotko I mean I didn't count but I mean I I would estimate he must have had like 20 drop shot winners or something like that and that's not even counting the the ones which Prichotko got to but then got passed there weren't that many drop shot lobs, but mostly mostly drop shots and good passes. Still, I was super impressed with Oleg Prihotko as well. The the that such guys are ranked in the 800 of the ATP rankings and are able to actually play this well is just sick. Obviously, right now he's uh, much higher at like 546, I think. Yeah. So so he he made a huge leap this this week. And and rightfully so because that that level was something insane and he got his two best ever wins ranking wise uh, against uh, Gianu and then against Ilkel obviously which was uh, which was the big one because Ilkel is 140 was last 144th in the ATP rankings last week and Prihotko never actually played a top 200 player before. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Brichotko quite insane, very unexpected. It was his first uh, challenger main draw, I believe. Uh, yes, he, he played qualifying twice this year earlier, but yeah. Yeah, which, which funnily enough, similar to Blancano never winning a quarterfinal but winning a title, he's never won a final qualifying round. Uh, <laughs> but he the final. Uh, so he beat Veldhead, he lost to Krezu in that final qualifying round and actually had a much tougher draw, I think, than, than Turniev there. Uh, beat Bonadio, Doug Healy, Chem Ilkel and Giovanni Fonio in the semifinals, which yeah, it's just out of yeah. nowhere. Obviously, it, it is much tougher for win, sure. Um, <laughs> early in the week there, which was very very amusing. Uh, the the rallies just <laughs> there were there were just some points that are absolutely insane because of the wind. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you saw them. Yeah, but... yeah, the the two one was uh, like a short ball that Ilkel just he just really missed like he just completely missed it right and there was that one miss hit from the back of the court i can't remember who it was uh that 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 just you know, turned out to be the best drop shot ever if you can even call it a drop shot yeah, I, i'm pretty sure it was marojan against uh, uh, yes right yeah where, where he's just he's pushed back he he shanks it uh with 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 the rim of the racket and then somehow it just flies up and <laughs> comes back into the court if it was Marozhan, then it was against Dakili, right? Yeah, yeah. So, actually, so, so it maybe it could have actually mattered that Lee couldn't hear it, like <laughs> maybe, yeah. It, it's oh possible. God. It's possible that uh, that uh, a player who wasn't deaf would actually be able to track the ball, or or you know, know know about it in earlier that that is gonna be somewhat close. But no, yeah. anyway, it was like the most insane shot. Ever you can you can definitely find it on Twitter still. Yeah. Um, just, just I mean you have to continue with the tournament. But as we as we spoke about I think last week or or maybe earlier that Antalya always gets some crazy weather, and it's it's still one of the one of the places in the world that holds the most tournaments. They actually finish every single one of them. I mean so 
who are we to complain? They have a billion cords. Most of the days they they were so afraid of rain that they, they actually held I don't know four matches at the same time, even though it was the quarterfinals or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it happens in Antalya all the time. ITFs get get played like that uh, every single week. And they also have a few indoor courts, which I believe they used for final qualifying round this week. Yeah, so or or the first round of qualifying. I think the first round of no, no, I'm I'm talking crap. It was the final qualifying round for sure. So actually, we couldn't see Kretu uh, beating uh, Oleg Prihotko. Yeah, <laughs> that match is gonna stay uh, an enigma forever. Yeah, who, who knows what happened in that match? We could have had 16 shots like Marojan, and we and we would never know. Indoors, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, could have been anything else. Uh, going on there maybe i don't know could have anything could have happened uh what did they quickly mention fonio his first challenger semi-final uh being jacob paul 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 who knows uh ryan peniston who i think was my pick i believe yeah yeah, yeah. Did. you did go for peniston yes unfortunate uh, and then uh, nick hart to to reach the semis before losing to Prihotko. so there you go anything else from antalya no, I mean my pick was Duya Dukovic. Played quite well. He he lost to Nerman Fatic in the quarters. Uh, I, I believe he was up five two in the second set, so very close to uh, you know to, to just getting it to a decider, but but never really did. Not not feeling bad about this pick. As as we said, I mean this week, if you I don't know if you're playing along maybe, and if you got a point, then I mean. Really, <laughs> Shapoba, and I don't know how you did that. Colin, let us know. Tell us the story of how you picked yeah. any of these guys to win this week. Um, <laughs> Give us some lotto, lotto numbers to play because that's yeah. that's just absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Yes. Um, should we go match of the week, upset of the week? Yes, let's start from the upset of the week because I absolutely forgot to pick my match of the week. <laughs> okay, so I'll I'll go upset of the week. Uh, I've gone for Nicolas Barrientos over Juan Pablo Fikovic. 6-3, 6 love. Very straightforward win, which, I mean, Fikovic won the week before this, so it was quite unexpected. Um, yeah, who was yours? Mm, I, t- I decided to agree with the bookies this time around and just go with uh, Prihotko over Ilkal. Yeah, uh, that yeah. was quite a shock. Even though we didn't really mention uh, Ilkal as someone who could win, maybe maybe we sort of underestimated him. Maybe it was because of the little bit of uh, you know disinterest that he played with against Baranko Cosano. But this time he was actually you know, competing until the end and clearly very frustrated that he cannot beat Prihotko. But I, I I certainly had the feeling that it wasn't just about. Ilkel not you know he's not he's not great on clay obviously and and that but I I definitely had a feeling that it was more about Prihotko playing so well and it it turned out to be true later on and and that that was that was probably the the match that surprised me the most this week. Uh, yeah, for my match of the week, I'm going for a bit of a weird one. Um, I went for Andre Martin over Vessels six two five seven six four. But, you know, um, dr- dramatic match, six from the third. I've never actually watched Vessels before this, so, so that was an interesting experience. Uh, I got that there. Martin pulled through there, and I, and I was sort of feeling like, all right, so he's had his struggle now. Uh, he, he might go on and 
take the title. No, no lost the next not round. Really, not really. Then not what happened, unfortunately. Got out defended by <laughs> saying in the semis. Which I mean, I, like Andre Martin, I don't know. Like he he's 32 now. He plays this very physical style of play where he has to run around a lot. I'm I'm sort of worried about worried about Andre Martin here. Um if he, if he's going to, you know, if he's another year like this where he sort of struggles for a lot of it, uh, I think it's going to be uh, a, a quite steep decline, I think. Yeah, it is very possible, you know, that, that, that he could be one of these players who never really recover after something like that. Uh, I am really struggling with picking my, my match of the week. Yeah. I, I'm going to go for something like really off-meta as well and go with Nuno Borges over Elmar Ayupovic. Uh, Ayupovic won the first set 6-1, then lost the next two, but I was really... It, it, it was like my third or fourth time watching Ayupovic this year, I believe. I, I saw him live in uh, Poznań and I was quite shocked. Just like what I, what I just talked about in terms of Prihodko, that, that, that a player with... You know, not not a high career, high ranking, just you know, so somewhere around these five hundred, and and Dejupovic is just you know can 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 is capable of playing tennis at such a level. He has this big serve and huge ground strokes, one hundred backhand as well, which you know sometimes you can see why he's why he's ranked so low when it misfires every single time. But but when when he's on, he's really exciting. And for the for that first set against Borges, he just really couldn't even do much. It wasn't like he was even playing poorly. Ayupovic was just far too good. But as it turns out later, Borges managed to to find a way. And I, I really enjoyed that match. And I, I don't know if I'm expecting a breakthrough from Elmar Ayupovic, but he's certainly capable of playing tennis uh, far better than his, you know, than his spot in the rankings. Uh, yes. Yeah. Should we go to previews? Yep. Yes. Um, so here we are, final two events of the season. How do you feel? Are you, do, do, do you feel like <laughs> you're ready for the season to be over? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I had some sort of a thought about this this morning. I remember remember thinking, like, has it really been 149, 47, 147 events? Like, have I really been talking about 147 challenger events this year and i was like okay i mean it doesn't feel like that uh i i'm certainly quite surprised and and still uh feel a little bit weirded out by the very late finish i i was it's not it's not bad i mean i was very used to being bored in the early days of december each year and right now i have like the longest list of things to do that that i maybe ever had (laughs) Uh, related to you know to, to tennis to to my work so so I mean I I don't know if I'm enjoying it I'm certainly a huge procrastinator and you know just having so much stuff to do is is very tough for me but you know it's better than being bored I guess uh, actually I don't know, it's such a such enough topic but uh, usually uh, like a big a big thing for me in December is the World World Darts Championship. <laughs> I I, oh. I do follow that sport a lot as well, and uh, especially since it was always off season for me. Uh, you know, it starts in two days, 
So, so it was always like really waiting for that to start and I'm still waiting, but this year I really didn't even get a chance to, you know, be bored. So yeah, it's weird. It's weird. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I have never watched the darts actually. I've seen, you know, some highlights that you see like, like on social media every now and then when something wild happens. Um, yeah. What's, what's it like being a fan of darts? Um, what's it like? Uh, it's cool that it's a sport that you can really, you know, play just by yourself. I actually never, never had a dart sport before moving to, to the university. And last year, uh, I, I sort of brought my roommate to, to start watching darts. He got really invested in Krzysztof Ratajski's matches. And right now, I mean, he's, he's not a big fan, of, not as big a fan of the sport as I am, but he certainly is a big fan of the Polish Eagle, which is his nickname. And we, <laughs> we got ourselves a dartboard last year and we, we still have it, we still have it for in, in a different apartment now. And we're, you know, we've been practicing, obviously we're, we're not great at all. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. We we watch uh, you know Ratajski's matches uh, together and all, and we actually bought his flights as well. You know what flights are the you know the the ending of the of the dart. Uh, oh, okay. Do, do, do they have like personalized ones for each of? The... Yes. Yes. Exactly. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah, cool. we bought we bought Krzysztof Ratajski's flights, so we're throwing with them right now, and it's and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's certainly something that I wasn't expecting to talk about today, but. <laughs> darts yeah yeah i mean i during the off season um I, i've i've gotten into american football in the past two years mm-hmm. also through through a, a flatmate at the university um so, so i'm sort of i've become invested in that it's really funny to me that i've started watching american football after i left america <laughs> um, <Okay. laughs> very very odd like I, I never went to a single game at the high school or anything never watched like anything outside of the super bowl before but now i'm, I'm really invested in that yeah anyway should we talk about rio de janeiro sure yes uh we have the top seed Thiago sabochfield he plays an 18 year old wildcard with no ranking lorezo esquici he is a top 200 junior player uh but still quite quite surprising as a, as a wildcard choice here uh, winner of that plays Johan Niklas or a qualifier. Others in the section is Kaichi Uchida, eighth seed, playing Gonzalo Villanueva. And then we have an, a very intriguing first round between Genaro Alberto Olivieri and uh, Guilherme Reclesar with the protected ranking, which would be interesting to yeah, see how that turns I mean, Clezar looking actually, at how he played last week, he, he there's going to be, but... yeah, there's going to be a huge step up required. Yeah. Yeah, but if he manages to perform against Olivieri, then that's a, that's a real win. So, yeah. so that's definitely something to potentially be excited about. Then we have third seed, Juan Pablo Fikovic, playing Alejandro Gomez. Winner faces uh, Gabriel De Camps, who's a qualifier, uh, no, no, who's wild a wildcard yeah. or a qualifier. Um, then we have sixth seed, Orlando Luz, playing Daniel Duque da Silva. The winner faces Wilson Leite or a qualifier. Third section, we have uh, Machos Puccinelli de Almeida playing Hernan Casanova. Winner faces Sakamoto or Juarez. Other season section is Peja Kristin playing Luciano Darderi. Winner of that faces Facundo Diaz Acosta or Nicolas Alvarez Varona. In the final section, we have second seed Nicolas Kiker playing Alejandro Gonzalez. The winner faces uh, Igor Marcondes, 
who's here with a special exempt or a qualifier. So Marco Deschikero should certainly be an interesting second round match if it happens. Uh, other seed in the section is Roberto Sitsubervi playing Bogdan Bobrov. Uh, and the winner of that face is Matias Franco de Scotte or Maceus uh, de Carvalho. We also have potentially Nicolas Barrientos uh, in, in qualifying. So he, he looks, he's, he's a set in a breakup right now, so he should qualify. Uh, who, who can certainly, you know, uh, probably put together a run here if he gets the right draw, to be honest. Uh, what do you make of this draw? Yeah, Barrientos is probably the the only player in, cap- in qualifying capable of something like that. I am super excited to watch Gabriel Decams, which might seem very random, but uh, I, I I mean, I have never seen him play. He hasn't played a challenger since 2016. And he, I mean, I, I, I've just glanced at his name a lot in ITF draws this year. Uh, most of them weren't streamed. I, I definitely didn't catch a match of his, but he lost to Lee Two twice, for example. So as I, I did follow that, he defeated Harold Mayo, for example, which is which is amazing. He also took out uh, Max Kashnikovsky twice in the like in the in last month, which which made me you know uh, made me just notice that there's a guy like that and he might be good. And it's you know he he didn't play at all in 2019 and 2020. Uh, yeah, so it it seems like there was some sort of a major injury in there. Uh, I have no idea of what kind, but he's been, you know, his win-loss record for the year is 43 to 11. All of these matches have been ITFs, some of them qualifying, but you know, that that's still that's still really impressive. So that that's a player that I really want to see uh, just to check if if what if what I can learn about him from ITF results is actually going to be be true in. You know, by the eye test. Uh, as in terms of the favorites here, I mean, it's really hard to tell. This is a much weaker draw that, that we've had uh, in Sao Paulo or in any other South American week. Uh, hard courts, many of these guys do not really play on them. So I, uh, you know, it gets really tricky to tell if someone like Sape of Wild or Kicker or Puccinelli de Almeida can perform. In fact, I, I don't think there's like a very reliable hardcore player in this field. It's it's just mostly these guys who played the South American circuit on clay. Uh, I, I I I don't know. I mean, I, I, let's go for Nicolas Kiker, but I mean, I have like zero confidence in this pick. It's it's literally all clay quarters. <laughs> And yeah, I, yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that, that's the thing. I, I was looking at this draw through like a hardcore lens. I don't, and, and no, nobody pops up to me either. Yeah, as somebody to pull it off on the hardcourts here. Um, I, I was going to mention before I see my pick. Uh, Jamie Sertani played the the qualifying here. Uh, he's forty, uh, so that was interesting to see. Won five games. Uh, not horrible. Anyway, uh, what I was, <laughs> and now for my pick. Uh, I've gone for somebody uh, who hasn't had the best form recently. I've gone for Machos Puccinelli de Almeida. Although, I mean, he hasn't had the results, but I feel like since the start of, since the start of November, he only has two wins. He beat Barrios Vera and he beat Seiboshville, but his losses have been to Coria, Delien, uh, Juan Manuel Serundolo, and he lost to Oliveri, uh, Oliveri twice. So none of the losses have been bad. I, I quite like his draw. I don't really see... Um, the player that really takes him out that that, that has that sort of like, like he's mostly been uh, losing to guys better than him 
obviously betting on his hardcore prowess, it's it's a bit of a crapshoot. I guess, I guess we'll see. Uh, I think we might have a surprise winner here, but yeah, Bocinelli is my pick. Yeah, I, I I was thinking of him for sure. I had no idea what he plays on hard courts. Looking at his results, it's just ITFs 2020 and 2019 mm-hmm. without much success, but some some okay wins. Uh, even if you go before Korea, it's De Jong and Meligeni. I mean, yeah, the, the, the losses have yeah. been only to very uh, good players. So, yeah, I, I fully agree. Someone was actually trying to argue with me that uh this week that Sabe of Wield uh was like you know why is Sabe of Wield not a bigger favorite against Puccinelli de Almeida? Like just just wanted to know if there was any reason. And I I I, I definitely uh, advise to ignore it <laughs> because it, it really didn't seem to me that he his argument of Puccinelli de Almeida losing four matches in a row was any valid with the, the quality of players he faced. So yeah. I agree with that. I have no idea what he'll play on hard courts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, of, of the guys, Sabos will probably has like the most data on on hard courts. Where I'm, I'm looking through his results this year, earlier in the year, beat Mena, lost to Sitsubervi, beat Mitchell Kruger, lost to Galan. Oh, he did. Petrovic lost to Nakashima. Uh, like his his results, like like these are these are hardcore results. Don't don't seem that great to be honest. Oh, yeah, but uh, but you're right. I mean, I I I definitely watched him against Hase at the at the Australian Open qualifying, and I yeah. I, I think he could be could be the best hardcore player in the field, and that's probably not you know not really a bold statement. But that doesn't he, mean he will win it. I mean, this is a guy who's yeah. been struggling massively. So yes. Um... Yeah, let's move on to Maya. Unless you have anything else for no, you? no, no, no. Yes, Maya. Uh, where we have Andre Martin, top seed. Um, he plays Damian Wenger, <laughs> uh, the qualifier uh, in the first round. Is the quite nice here? Anyway, uh, then he plays Louis Vessels or Luca Potenza, the qualifier. Uh, in the section we have Goncalo Oliveira facing Gerald Melzer, which I think will be very interesting. Uh, to see Meltzer back. When, when's the last time Meltzer played? Um, he played Davis Cup in November. Yeah, not long ago. He played Lima in October. Yeah, he played he played Davis Cup for sure. The the finals, right? Yeah. Against yeah, uh, Lajovic. Yeah, lost to uh, Lajovic, yeah. 7-5 in the third. Anyway, uh, in the next section, we have third seed Maxime Janvier um, playing Philippe Cristian Giano. Winner of that faces special exempt Oleg Prichotko or Eduard Esteve Lobato. Other seed in the section, we have Chun Sin Tseng playing Matteo Viola. Winner faces Alexander Edler or Fabian Marojan. Next section, we have Kastao Eliash uh, playing Oleksii Krutich. Winner of that faces Baran Kokosano or Sanchez Izquierdo. Uh, then we have Nuno Borges, the fifth seed, playing Ricardo Bonadio. Winner plays either qualifier Eduardo Lovano or wildcard uh, Tiago Cacao. Uh, in the final section, we have second seed Kimer Kopians uh, playing Pedro Araujo. Winner faces Roca Bataya or Elmar Eupovic, the qualifier. We already have a match finished here, unfortunately, due to, <laughs> due yeah. to me being late <laughs> with this recording. Elliot Benchetri already is in the second round. Uh, after beating Alexis Gauthier, and we'll play either six seeds, Jao Dominguez, or Nick Hart. Um, yeah, what do you make of this draw? Who, who pops out here to you? 
Yeah, uh, if you listen to the last two episodes, you know that Borges Bonadio is an absolute blockbuster for me. Uh, I don't know what to think about Bonadio's form after the last two losses. That one to Prihodko was actually pretty good. I, I was le- less fond of the match with Dominguez, even though he, he took a set. Um, yeah, as you said, Elmar Jupovic is already placed in the draw, and I think that's a pretty dangerous qualifier. Although... No, obviously not, 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 not really thinking of him in terms of in terms of picking the winner. Uh, someone who really could do well here is probably Kimer Kopeans for me. He played quite fine last week, lost to Borges in a tight two-setter. Uh, the draw is pretty kind. I, I would like a different qualifier here instead of Ayupovic. Uh, you know, Hart or Dominguez also isn't that easy. But I, I think that's who I'm going to go for. Uh, there's also, like, I don't really do that often, but there was a very blatant fix in the qualifying. Uh, a few hours before the match, uh, Maxim Hamu, uh, like, became a huge underdog against Duarte Valle. Jesus uh, Christ, you got double bageled. <laughs> yes, and it lasted 41 minutes. And just like an hour, an hour is, I'm, I'm probably over, just exaggerating, but it was like, no, the day of the match, uh, early in the morning, Vale suddenly became a huge favorite of that clash. And along with Hamus, uh, there, there were a couple of these matches he played this year that people called out as suspicious. I obviously take it with a, with a grain of salt, but you know, here uh, <laughs> I believe there's very little, like that there's very little chance that this was anything else. And it, it's... It's weird that he's not even trying to pretend, but maybe he thinks he can afford it. And so far, the tennis authorities haven't really given him a, a reason to to think otherwise. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he loses double bacon here. He's lost his last few matches very, very easily. Uh, almost all of them going back to J- July is the last thing that he had like a close loss. Yeah. I think um, the one against Lawson in Alicante qualies was another yeah. one that people called out as some that there was some sort of weird odds movement, but this one with Valle definitely you know he the the Portuguese just became became a massive favorite. Yeah, so, so it's cool that there was betting patterns and stuff like that. That's uh, yeah, don't like seeing that, but it's unfortunate that that's just the way, that's that's just the way it is sometimes here. Yeah, in the challengers. Uh, anyway, are, are you picking Copians or yeah, uh, yes, Copians. All right, just to just to confirm that, um, I'm going for something a bit off the board. I feel like I've already I've already won it, so I feel like I can afford to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <go for laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking Gerald uh, Meltzer. Yeah, I think I'm going to go for him. I'm going to go directly against Andre Martin uh, after he disappointed me last week. Uh, it's it's the first round against Oliveira, which I think he should win. The second round, Fanzalo or Fabio Coelho, which I think I actually missed out. I, I don't think I said that in the when I was going. Fabio Coelho sounds like a Portuguese soccer player. Like I don't know, <laughs> I'm I'm shocked he's not playing football. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and then Martin, I don't trust Andre Martin. Um, so yeah, Gerald Meltzer, I'm going, I'm going for him to to win. He's he's been away for a bit but why not maybe he's had a nice rest 
uh, in between now and <laughs> I'm not <laughs> sure it's off the board honestly like w w when you said oh, that yeah, it was right. somewhat you know uh, no, I mean, yeah, obviously, I'm not going for I'm not going for Tiago Cacao or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, but when, when you said that it was something weird, I I instantly thought that you were gonna go for Gerard Meltzer. So. Um, <laughs> but it, he got you a point this year, right? So yeah, yeah. Some some nice memories there. Um, exactly. Yeah, I I wish we kept count. I would I would like to know which which players got us the most points, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 have, I, I have like most of them written down here, mm -hmm. so I can go through those. No, but it's, it's a lot of work, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll have a look uh, for sure to, to see if it's realistic for me to try and mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. put these, these, this uh, statistic. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, so I guess that's where we're going to finish. Uh, we're just going to have to talk with you about uh, Maya and Rio de Janeiro next week. Uh, we're also planning to have some sort of a summary of the year. Uh, we still don't know if it's going to be uh, you know, with, the, with the summary of Maya and Rio de Janeiro or if you're gonna, just going to get a short episode next week and then a summary uh, you know, in two weeks' time. Uh, we're going to decide on that. So thanks for listening and see you in a week. Hey. Hope all of you enjoyed another ATP Challenger centric edition of the show. A shout out as always to Damien and Jakob for their continued contributions to our team here at Crack Rackets. I say it every week. I'll say it again. You are not going to find two people who follow all of the action more closely week in, week out, day in, day out, hour in, hour out, minute in, minute out on the Challenger Tour than these two. So thank you again for their contributions. And hey, I love hearing their thoughts on the Darts World Championship as well. So always fun for them. Throw a little freestyle in down the home stretch of 2021. Of course, as I mentioned at the top, this is not the only podcast we've got for you listeners here as we continue our off-season coverage. All three podcast feeds humming. You want to hear from Stefan Kozlov, Ben Rothenberg, David Gertler, Nina Pantic. You can do so on the mini break podcast feed. Of course, you want to hear from any Power 5 tennis college coach. We have many of them already released on our Cracked Interviews feed with more to come over the next few weeks. Of course, check out our YouTube channel as well. Don't miss out on any of the content there. If you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at uh, Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at Great Shot Pod. A shout out as always to our super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westoff, for the f of any job they do day in, day out. Again, all of our content available at the website crackrackets.com. Just set it as your homepage to ensure that you don't miss out on anything here in the 2021 offseason. But with all that said, for our hosts, Damian Kust and Jakob Bobro, super producers, Fligner and Westoff, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot. And we'll talk to you all next time. Thanks, everyone.